Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Have you ever lifted a piece of furniture and found the carpet underneath looks brand new while the rest of it looks, well, not brand new? That's when you realize you need new carpeting. At the Home Depot, we have a wide selection of all the top brands. Best of all, we'll install it for you. And even better than best of all, we install it free. So all you need to do is choose from our hundreds of styles and colors. Start your installation today at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Minimum purchase of $4.99. Exclusions apply. U.S. only. See store for details. Hey, this is Richie Coxman with Jay Scott on the Hook Rocks Podcast. Good evening, everybody. Once again, it is the Hook Rocks podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe and staying healthy. I'm your host, Jay Scott. The sun is out. The snow is melting. And we are at the end of February. This is probably going to air first week of March. But excited nonetheless that we don't have freezing temperatures. We're not getting bombarded by snow. And it looks like the light is at the end of the tunnel, at least for weather 
is concerned, right? I mean, I know we're still kind of dealing with the pandemic. I know the numbers are getting better, which is really exciting. I saw a article today that came out. The CEO, president of Live Nation, is expecting to have concerts at full capacity this summer. So that's something that's big news, but we'll see. You know, we'll see if that happens. I imagine some states will handle some things differently. And I know some bands will probably handle some things differently, but it definitely will be an answer to the great unknown that we kind of have. And I think we're inching towards that answer. And who knows? Who knows what will happen? So I'd like to welcome in our next guest on the Hook Rocks podcast, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'd like to welcome in Kaz all the way from... London, England. She swam here. She took a boat. She's actually right next to me while I'm while she's on the phone with me. And <laughs> she is the host of the Heavy Rock Show on East London Radio. What's going on? How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, just uh, a Saturday afternoon here outside of Chicago and just uh, been listening to music all morning and excited to have you on the show. I'm excited to be here. Yes, yes, absolutely, because you do share a lot of great new music. You play a lot of great new music on your show. And the topic of the conversation we're going to have is how we should start looking at these new bands as a celebration of the genre. And there's a lot to get into. There's a lot of stuff to cover because there's so many great new bands that are out there that are making headway that are gaining an audience and I always love talking new music and I can't think of anyone better to talk new music right now than Kaz from the Heavy Rock Show. So cheers. Before we get into it, we like to start the same way we always do every time we have a new guest and that is the essence of the podcast. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album a band or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh, you know, I mean, I had music in my life since I can ever remember. And um, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. And I think my earliest memories of sort of what you would say rock would be um, like Elvis and the Beatles and all the girl groups, you know, back in the early 60s. That's how old I am. <laughs> and, um, you know, like a lot of the Motown sound and all, all that just was just, it was always there. It was just always there for me. So, but in terms of like hard rock or heavy rock, I think Led Zeppelin was the one that just like solidified it for me. Such an instrumental band in the hard rock movement into heavy metal. They influenced so many people. They still means so much to so many people today. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things about them that is so intriguing and interesting is how they never did a lot of press. They never were a band that was out in front, front and center with the media. They very carefully did interviews. They never overexposed themselves. And even to this day, you know, Plant does his thing, Page does his thing, John Paul Jones really doesn't talk much to the media. But whenever they release something, whether it's a book, 
a DVD from, you know, years ago that's unreleased or remasters, they sell like crazy. Like they sell, like it's, it's unbelievable the amount of money they can still generate. Not having made an album in, gosh, 42 years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 41 years, maybe? I think it's 41 years. They haven't made an album in 41 years, and they're still relevant. They're still able to sell, you know, I mean, I think they just did that photo book last year, and that sold like crazy. You know, every time they release their remastered albums, they repackage it, and people go out and buy it, like myself. And I think there is something to be said about less is more when it comes to being in front of the press and doing media and doing interviews, because I think when you oversaturate yourself, it loses its luster. It loses a, the mystique and, you know, people don't crave it. I think when, when you're not doing a lot, people crave you more. Yeah, they, that's true. They say, leave them laughing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So where did it go from there? From Led Zeppelin into what? What was your journey like oh. in rock and roll? It's all over the map. So Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Aerosmith. Um, gosh, got into Southern Rock for a while, you know, Marshall Tucker Band, all that kind of stuff. The Eagles, um, early Fleetwood Mac. Not And then, and I mean, Fleetwood Mac went through so many incarnations, you know, from Peter Green on to Stevie Nicks, you know. It was like, there was like three different bands in my mind. Um, Wishbone Ash, gosh, so many bad company. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the eighties kind of passed me by for various reasons. Um, I did, wasn't really into like the hair bands so much. I mean, I love Van Halen, but I was never like into Motley Crue or anything like that. Um, really like Guns N' Roses, really fell in love with new metal and, um, Lincoln Park, they're like one of my ultimate, ultimate favorite bands. And also the grunge movement, Alice in Chains is huge to me, you know, a lot of those bands. Um, yeah, so it's it's been a, a convoluted journey, you know, and I like a lot of different stuff. I like a lot of trip hop and some hip hop and I love a lot of, you know, the rappy stuff, the rocky rappy stuff. So, yeah, it's kind of been all over the map, really. How did you get involved in the Heavy Rock show? Um, well, I was doing the morning show, which is a Saturday show on ELR. And um, I've been doing that for, gosh, almost a couple of years now. And when lockdown happened, um, Ian, the guy that runs the station, which is, by the way, it's all it's a volunteer-run community station, um, he knew I was really into rock. So he said, well, do you want to do a show? And I thought, why not? <laughs> I mean, twist my arm. So um, he got me a bit of kit, you know, and sent it over and set me up. And um, we do everything remotely. Now we've been doing that remotely since last year. And, um, yeah, so I just had my 42nd show um, last night. That's amazing. That's awesome. And yeah, did, did it's been you, fun. It's a lot of fun. I bet. Did you have, like an idea that you wanted to do on the show? I mean, what, how did that all come about? I know you do a lot of new music. I know you are always sending out and posting what you're playing on the show. You know, what was the goal for you to achieve with this, uh, with well, the Heavy Rock show? 
in the beginning, I didn't, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, it was completely new. I mean, the first show um, was Ian and myself together, and it was, I mean, it was just like dipping a toe in the water, really. And I, I really didn't, I had never done because on the morning show, it's just three of us with, a, you know, a bit of banter, a bit of music, and conversation, and you know, laughs, and and it's a completely different vibe, you know. So um, putting together a playlist and then trying to work out what to say in between songs, aside from, well, that was so-and-so and and this is so-and-so, you know, which is just kind of boring. Um, It was all new to me. And it took um, a few shows for me to really start to find my feet. And at some point I started coming across a lot of new bands and that's, that's when it just sort of solidified. And I thought, this is what I want it to be about. I mean, I play... You know the big guys like Deftones or Linkin Park or whatever, Metallica. You know that kind of stuff um, to give stuff context as well as to sort of boost the little bands. You know, um, but I really like to push the little bands, or I should say little. You know, but young bands, bands that are just starting out or don't have much airplay and don't don't have much of a following yet. Because there's a lot of really, really good music out there right now, you know, by these guys are, you know, some of them are still teenagers. I mean, young. And, you know, most of them are in their 20s or 30s or whatever. But, um, yeah, that was my, that's been my goal for, since I sort of found my feet, really. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, when you look at music, rock music today, and... Obviously, there's the legacy bands. You know, there's the there's the Metallicas, there's the ACDCs and Aerosmiths, and there's still a connection, a strong connection yeah. with their fans, right? And, and why wouldn't there be? I mean, these bands have been the soundtrack to people's lives for generations, and of course, exactly. they're going to still love these bands, right? But what's really exciting is what's happening now and it's happening all over the continent it's all actually all over the globe i should say all over the planet and whether it's the uk whether it's america whether it's europe whether it's australia south africa canada south america there's so many emerging rock bands that are coming about and they're good they're really damn good I often hear people complain that these bands suck and they're not as good as Zeppelin or Aerosmith or ACDC or Van Halen. And no, then that's stupid. That is very <laughs> stupid. It, it is it is incredibly stupid because number one, no one has really anyone who says that hasn't been listening. Because if you have exactly. been listening, you wouldn't think that. You wouldn't think that if you have been listening. And when someone says that to me or posts that on my social media, I write, I, I automatically think this person hasn't listened. Okay. Because there's so many fantastic bands out there that there's no way you could possibly think that every new band, everything in rock right now sucks because that's just false. And I know it's a matter of opinion, but you can't make an opinion on something unless you have been listening. And I'm talking about more than one song, more than one band, more than 30 seconds of a song, and whatever, okay? You can't do that. Yeah. So really what's happening right now is is unlike any other time before, there is an, a, an explosion of music 
which in turn is a celebration of rock music. No, not in the 60s, not in the 70s, not in the 80s, not in the 90s. Have there been this many bands from this many places coming up in rock and roll? It, there hasn't. I mean, you, I mean, obviously there was the British invasion. You had all these bands in the 70s, but there are hundreds of new bands, hundreds that are, oh, yeah. are coming about totally. right now. So many. I mean, oh, I can just think of so many just British bands off the top of my head and also loads of really good music coming out of Canada. And I mean, just there's so much. And, and there's so much that I had never heard before of even bands that have been around for like 15 or 20 years. And I thought, well, how, how did I miss them? <laughs> you know, so there's, there's a lot of music out there. And um, I mean, the pandemic has been a, a curse, but it's also been a blessing in a way because it's, it's made people have to um, be really innovative, you know, and um, I think say, you know, are we going to try and make music or not? And, and bands have really stepped up to the plate, you know, a lot of music has come out in the past year alone. So many, I mean, obviously I think probably the last five years, there's really been a surge and I, I think the yeah. pandemic paused things a little bit and mm. you know, I, but I think this year when you look at the albums that have already been released and the quality of those albums and also what's coming this year, it's really exciting. And you know, if there is a great time to reintroduce yourself to rock music, it is now. If there is a great time for your kids to start listening to rock music, now is the time. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, and and that's interesting too, because I mean, I'm of a certain age where like I grew up with Led Zeppelin and all that kind of stuff, you know, the doors and that whole generation. Um, and there's, there's a radio station that just started here called boom radio and it's totally dedicated to boomers. And the thing is, it's just stuck in that era and it's, and I'm thinking, you know, just because you're at a certain age doesn't mean you stop, you know, listening. <laughs> it's just, it, it gets on my nerves because I feel like it, it puts people in a, in, a, in a little pigeonhole, you know. And I just think, you know, most of the people that I know are pretty open to all kinds of different music, you know. They're not um, limited because they've grown up with it. And it's been a huge, huge part of their life. So you don't just sort of get older and, and go, oh, well, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. Is, and, it, um, is, the focus, oh, sorry, is the focus too much on people like us, people our age, people that are older? You know, are we... I often have this discussion and I, I used to think that in order for rock to be successful, we had to convert the classic rock fans into new rock fans, you know, new music that from new rock bands and they had to become mm. fans. And, and I don't know if that's possible. When I think back of my childhood, I think back to my parents who used to talk about the Beatles and used to talk about Elvis and used to talk about all these artists that were before my music and they didn't like my music they didn't like the the van halens and the motley crews and the metallicas and the iron maidens they didn't want it in the house so you know yeah yeah so i'm like you know so i'm thinking you know 
maybe we should, you know, not maybe, but I think we should focus more on capturing the youth audience and getting the younger people interested in the celebration that is rock music right now because rock really needs to have that celebration and it has over the last couple of years with a couple of different things the last one i can really speak of is the acdc album that was released in november now i know it's a legacy band and i know that you know they've been around for a while but something like that something like that with with the momentum that they had can capture that youth audience, can capture that younger generation. And then when they have the new Greta Van Fleet album coming out or the new Dirty Honey or the, the you know, whatever band you want to talk about, that music, that tone, that style is familiar. And they become more interested in it because maybe of something that they heard. Possibly. I don't know. I mean, my granddaughter's 14, and she's really into Youngblood and 21 Pilots. Those are her two favorite bands at the moment. And one of her um, friends is really into punk. She's really into no effects and sex pistols and all that kind of stuff. So I think, I just think that um, the youth, they, they need to have whatever is theirs, you know? I mean... I just don't see the point in trying to make make them want to hear older stuff. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and like I said, there's a lot of young musicians out there making music, and they're going to reach their peers, and they're you know they're going to develop those audiences. And and also, and I was listening to your podcast the other day, um, and it made me think about that. You know how rock is an attitude. It's an attitude. It's not. It's not um, just about a song, you know, I mean, if it was just like, like you were saying, you know, music consumers, um, you know, then it's sort of like Taylor Swift or whatever, but you know, the whole rock thing is, it's an attitude. And, and I think, um, either you have it or you don't, you know, and it's not necessarily dependent on age, but obviously, you know, if you're young, then you're usually a bit more rebellious, (laughs) which isn't a bad thing. So I think, um, I mean, I can think of bands now that, like this one. Oh, what is what are they called? Um, Unknown Refuge. I mean, these guys are like what eighteen or nineteen years old, and and they're amazing. And you know, they kick ass. I mean, their music is fantastic. They're really polished and and just done really well. But you know. They would they appeal to me because I love that kind of music, but I would think that they would also p- appeal to if my granddaughter heard them, she'd like them. That kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the attitude. I mean, I think when you hear, like when I talk with my son, he, you know, I say, "Hey, you know, this band, that band." He likes a lot of the stuff I used to listen to, but in talking with him about his friends and why they don't listen to you know, the rock music that I do or other people my age do, that they look at it as dad's music or mom and dad's music. And that's why... Yeah, the ones are different, you know? They should be different. Right, right. And I think that maybe maybe we have to stop connecting the new music with music of the past. You know, we need to stop maybe saying, oh, this band's like Led Zeppelin. Oh, this band's like Aerosmith. Let them... Let the youth, let the young people define what they're like instead of us doing that for them. Yeah, and do you know what? Because, I mean, as you 
can imagine I get a lot of music sent to me and um, and I listen to a lot of music and I you know I see stuff on Twitter and and I always listen and a lot of it um, not well I shouldn't say a lot but a fair amount of it to me sounds just like um, a regurgitation of what was and to me there's no point in that you know we've already done that so you know I what interests me are bands that um, you know have roots in in you know Led Zeppelin or whoever you know Metallica whatever um, but make their own sounds you know and and make their own sort of um, identity I think that's really important you know it's you, you need to be able to establish that rather than just sort of make the same riffs over and over again that ACDC did or whatever. I just find that really boring. Yeah, I, I see your point. But also, too, that music is so influential and that music has been around and is, is, has such an impact on people yeah. that, of course, it's going to shine through. I mean, when you look at Zeppelin, Zeppelin is a derivative of the blues and they they, yeah, absolutely. They, they pumped it up and they made it sound like themselves. And I think that before we make a judgment on a band, that I, I think it's important to allow them to develop their sound. And I mean, when, yeah. you, when you think of the band Rush, Rush was called the Canadian Led Zeppelin. After their first album, you would never call them anything close to Led Zeppelin with their catalog. And I think we need to do the same. And I think also, too that yes you you're making a very good point and a correct point in that but if the kids have their own Led Zeppelin if the kids have their own ACDC and we know it sounds like Zeppelin and we know it sounds like ACDC is that a bad thing is that is that a bad thing no 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 i i don't mean it that way i i guess what i mean is if it's just replicating something then then to me it's just sort of like oh come on you know, then just be a covers band. <laughs> um, but if it's, you know, if they bring something different to the table, you know, um, because I, I think it's, it's an attitude. It's, it's not, it's not just playing a guitar. It's an attitude and a whole sort of way of, of being and thinking, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, at least when I see the bands that have come out prior to this generations, prior to the last, I would say 10 years, there wasn't a lot of attitude. Everything was very cookie cutter. Everything was very compressed in the production. A lot of the production sounded the same. A lot of the tone sounded the same. And I, you know, I think now that you are starting to see that uniqueness, which whether it's massive wagons or whether it's Writer's Creed to bands here, you know, whether it's Joyous Wolf or, gosh, you know, bands like Of Limbo that's kind of a lesser-known new band, and you go into Canada and you hear stuff like King Bull or South America or, you know, Europe, even 1,000 Mods from Greece. I think there, I think there's an identity for every band. And, of course, people like ourselves are going to say, oh, they got a, they got a little bit of Black Sabbath in them. They sound a little bit like Led Zeppelin because that's what we know. And yeah, but I think that's, I think those roots are good. I don't yeah. have a problem with that. I think what I have a problem with is if it just sounds like a replication of it. But if it if it's got like um, roots, you know, and you nods to that, and you know, you can see the influence and how it's sort of carried through like a golden thread, you know, then I think that's quite beautiful. When you think of the new bands, when you're playing the new music, what? What does it need to have 
for you to play it? Like what, what does it need for you to like the music? Well, I can tell you what it doesn't need. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I'm really not into um, black metal, like, you know, the sort of um, growly stuff. It's like, if you're just going to growl and shout at me, I just can't be asked. <laughs> it's just like, I can't, I can't deal with it. But, um, Although, I mean, I play a lot of shouty bands, but they can also sing. So to me, they have to be able to sing. That, that's important, you know? Good harmonies are great. Um, not necessarily a requirement, but, you know, it certainly floats my boat. I suffer for a guitar solo, but, you know, that's showing my age for sure. But I also like a lot of the sort of electronic-y stuff. So I'm pretty open except for the growly, shouty stuff. I don't like that stuff either. You know, what always disappoints me is when there's a great melody in a song and it's got a, it's yes. got everything, and then all of a sudden it sounds like the microphone is stuck down their throat. And I tell you, every time I hear a new song and it starts out like that and I go, oh, these guys sound really good, you know, and it's going into intro and it's all like, yep, yep, ticks all the boxes, and then it's just like... And I'm just like, oh, fuck that. <laughs> I just can't. It's just like, no. I mean, if, if they if they do a bit of that, you know, I, there's there's moments for that. I mean, I'm a huge Fever 333 fan. I love them. I think they're brilliant. And, you know, he screams and shouts all the time. But um, he also can sing, and he also um, has something valid to say, you know. But, um, but I also like a lot of melodic metal, you know, and Opus and that kind of stuff. I really like I just got tickets to Opus, actually. I'm very excited about that. I'm hoping it actually happens. Yeah, I'm hoping so, a lot of things happen in this new year. I mean, yeah. I, I can't wait to get back to a concert. What do you think is needed? I mean, obviously, there's the attitude and there is, you know, the connection needed for the youth. But what do you think is missing? Like, what do you think? I mean, what I mean by that, Kaz, is what do you think the where the connection is lost? Because we have all this great music, and it's having trouble finding its audience with the youth. Well, I think it's a couple things. Number one, I don't think kids listen to the radio anymore, really. You know, the radio is just like persona non grata. Um everybody's streaming and because it's become music has become a consumption thing and, and you know, kids don't really appreciate the fact that, you know, bands need to make money in order to make the music, you know, um, there's, they stream for free and they have everything at their fingertips and they have the attention span of a gnat like the rest of us, because it's just all there. And it's just like you said, 30 seconds, you know, well, if it doesn't get me in the first 30, what is it on Spotify? Is it like 37 seconds or something that counts as a stream? Um, you know, and they dart around. I mean, I have a friend, um, who's a, um, singer songwriter, actually, he's really good. Um, and, and he's, he's young. He's, um, 20, he just turned 26 and he just thinks like albums are dead like what's the point in an album and I'm thinking albums are amazing <laughs> so, but but his generation doesn't necessarily see it that way and then I think um, like the general kid public so to speak you know they just 
they consume their music through TV shows or YouTube or um, TikTok or whatever. And it's just a look, there's a lot of pop out there, you know, and it's just sort of like music. Um, and, you know, nothing against that. I mean, if that's what you're into, you know, and there's a lot of talented singers and stuff, but, you know, it's not my thing, but I get it. But it's sort of like the kind of stuff that you hear when you're walking down the thing in a, in a mall or something, you know, catchy tunes or whatever. So I think they're inundated with that. And there's not... You know, they're not as exposed, whereas when I was young, the radio was everything. You know, that's how we got our music. So, I don't know. Well, I mean, young people are getting access to hip-hop, and they're getting access to pop rock. And mm. why are they... Is rock music far behind in technology, or, or is rock music not utilizing the tools that maybe other genres are using to capture that youth? Um. That's a good question. I don't know. Um, but I have thought about that because there are bands that have, you know, gotten more into electronic stuff. And some people in the rock community get pissed off about that. And they're just like, oh, you know, it's, you know, they're not playing instruments and, you know, they're not doing this and they're not doing that. And I just like, well, you know, these are their tools now, you know? I mean, just because they use a different tool doesn't mean it's bad. So, but I just don't think um, enough rock bands now have gotten into that. Do you see what I mean? Like there's a handful of bands that really kind of experiment in those ways. So I don't know. And I, I just think it's a generational thing. You know, I mean, kids want to like something different than what their parents like. That's their job. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I also think, too, that there is the lack of a rock star. And I think that... Yeah, that's true. We had lots of rock stars, didn't we? I mean, yeah. I mean, the closest thing I've seen, I don't know. Like, to me, Ollie Sykes is pretty close to a rock star, you know? I, I quite like him. I love... I love um, their music anyway and they're amazing live I saw them in 2019 at All Points East Festival and it was just phenomenal and he had such stage presence you know he just really just like had the audience in his hand um, and then he did this thing with Youngblood now me, to me Youngblood I don't know he's young and he appeals to young people like I said my 14 year old granddaughter thinks you know he's the most amazing thing that walks the earth um, but to me, he's just a bit too contrived, you know. But on the other hand, he he does the ha he's got that stage presence, and he comes across as sort of larger than life. So yeah, maybe you need that, you know. Maybe you need those sort of rock heroes to look up to or whatever. I also just think that there needs to be a danger element with rock music. I think that's always mm -hmm. what draws young kids in is when there's mm, that artist. Yeah, has that, I think. He, he sort of eludes that. Yeah, but I think, you know, when you when you have that sense of danger or parents don't want you to bring it in the house or they don't like who, you know, who this person is or the attitude this person has, I think that makes younger people more attracted to the music. I think when you look at the movie The Dirt by Motley Crue, and I've mentioned this a lot, mm -hmm. you know, they heard, you know... The, 
you know, mom, dad, can I watch the dirt? No, you can't watch the dirt. Well, of course they're going to go, they're going to go watch it anyway. And they, and they have watched it, you know? So anything that you tell your kids, they, they, they shouldn't do, they're going to do it. And I think now with the classic rock parent who likes the ACDCs and who likes the Led Zeppelins, I think that they enjoy rock music so much that maybe, you know, they don't want to be like their parents. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out why, because the music is so great. I think, I don't know if there's one right answer. Um, well, you know, on your podcast, when you were talking about the Grammys and the um, um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and all that, and I really liked what you said when you were talking about how, you know, we don't, we don't need it. We don't need it. You know, it's, why not, why not be different? Why, you know, we're rock is based on being alternative. I mean, that's, you know, it's based on being a bit rebellious and like you say, a bit, you know, hint of danger or whatever. Um, so I think there's a lot of stock in that, you know? Yeah. I think like, there, there is, you know, that, that element that, you know, when, when I remember when David Lee Roth would do an interview on radio or television, I'd be listening to it, and if my parents walked in, they would immediately tell me to turn this asshole off, right? <laughs> they would immediately tell me to do that, and, you know, I'd begrudgingly do it, but it caused, like, why do they think this of this guy? Why is he, why are my parents so much against him? And it made me want it more, and it's just, like, I think, you know, when you hear a Greta Van Fleet or you hear a Dirty Honey or you hear a Struts and you say, oh, they sound like Zeppelin. Oh, they sound like Aerosmith. Oh, they sound like Queen. I think it takes that that element away from them where I need to find something on my own that my parents won't, won't like. Yeah. Well, I think that's why punk got so big, you know, when it happened. It just exploded. I mean, it, to me, I, I was never really into it. You know, I was sort of punk light. I liked The Clash, and that was about it. I just, it just never spoke to me, but I got the attitude about it. You know, I completely understood that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that was like, it was just saying rebellion with a capital R and, and parents hated it. You know, I mean, oh my God, safety pins in the ears, you know, and all the rest of it. So I don't know, but I don't know. It's interesting because well, I mean, when my kids were young, you know, they grew up with rock music. So, and uh, my daughter's still a total rock chick. My son, not so much. He's more into hip hop. But, um, but you know, we did, you know, we've been to Metallica concerts together and stuff like that. So, you know, they were sort of raised with that. And then my daughter's, you know, raising her kids that way, <laughs> carrying on the legacy. Um, but, um, but at the same time, like you say, I think I think kids need their own thing, and I think maybe we um, just need to let them find their feet. And and um, you know, if they hear something and they connect with it, they're going to connect with it. And if they don't connect with it, then they don't. It's as simple as that. What do you think should be celebrated with the new bands? Like what? What do you think should be the focus of all these new bands that are coming up? Oh, gosh. You mean in terms of their music or? Whatever. I mean, music, um, presentation, 
performance? What what do you think is is the is the cause for people to get back into rock music? What do you think should be celebrated about these new bands? Oh gosh, I don't know. To me, um, the bands that I come across and that I follow um, are just bands that I just think sound really good. You know, they just make really good music. Um, so that's my criteria, but, but, you know, like you say, that's so subjective, isn't it? You know? So I don't know if it should be one thing, maybe just, um, um, a willingness to experiment and, and, um, try and find their own voice and, you know, um, push that, push that boundary instead of do the, doing the tried and true. Um, in terms of presentation, I think it's all gotten a bit too slick in a way, you know, like you were saying, it's a bit like on Twitter, there's um, a few people that just like post almost the same thing all the time. And you just kind of think, okay, you keep telling me to do this, but I heard you the first 20 million times. <laughs> like I think engage, if, if you're going to use social media as a tool, then use it to engage with people rather than just keep telling them to listen to your music. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, I find that irritating. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I do agree with that. I do think that, like Led Zeppelin, like we talked in the beginning of this conversation, that less is more. I think mm. that you know when you're when you're posting and you're telling people to engage, and 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 it's it's very similar. You know, I think I think people then have the perception that a lot of it does maybe sound the same or a lot of it is like the same. So I think when things are special and I'm going to, how I define special is, you know, it's not oversaturated. It's kind of like I said, less is more. I think people are more willing to try it because, you know, so I I do think there is that element there. I, I don't really think that there is one right or one wrong answer. I think, I think a combination of both probably is, probably the right path because you know there isn't radio right now for new rock bands there isn't you know like like radio like we knew it you know where you can yeah, just turn exactly. on turn on the radio station and, and there'd be bands playing i just also think too that i think there's so much good stuff i, I do think there is a section of rock music that is cookie cutter and that is very well um overproduced i shouldn't say well i should say it's overproduced there's not a lot of error between the notes. There's, and maybe that's just the style. Maybe that's well. What... I think it is. I think it is, and that's why. That's why I think um, it goes back to you know those are the tools of the trade these days. So um, I mean, I I like it when it's sort of a bit of both. But I mean, if you think of grunge, you know, grunge was just grunge, wasn't it? I mean, it was just you know wrong notes here and there, and like what you were saying in that podcast about how. Um, they didn't, you know, they didn't use auto tune, <laughs> you know, and, and there's a difference between producing something in the studio and performing it live. Um, and I always thought most bands live, even back in the day, if you compare it to their studio work, you know, live did not sound nearly as good, but being there in the moment is what made the difference because it was about the attitude and the energy and, you know, everybody being on the same page at the same moment, you know, singing the chorus at a festival or whatever, knowing all the words, that kind of thing. It's like, it's like you and a thousand other people, um, 
just in that moment. So, um, but at the same time, I don't have a problem with out, um, bands that use a lot of the studio tricks because I think, you know, we live in that age. I mean, it's like saying, oh, well, you should still use a typewriter instead of a, a keyboard, you know? Yeah, I think people rely too much on the technology um, rather than the music. I think that, but I also can you know, see why. That's a fair yeah, I also can see though why that can be attractive to a young person because a lot of the music is digital. A lot of the music, the beats are created digitally, and you know they're not organic and they're not authentic, and it's someone programming a sound to sound like something. And I think that you know harkens back to how maybe that person was raised. You know, kids today they don't get a lot of music appreciation. They don't have a lot of music classes where they learn about the arts. I think as they grow yeah. up, they they don't appreciate what it's like to learn and play a real instrument. Then when they get older, they look towards, you know, everything is on the computer now. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, in the borough that I live in, um, I'm really fortunate. I mean, it's actually one of the poorest boroughs in London. <laughs> but um, the council um, does this really good thing. They have a program called Every Child a Musician. In primary school, I think it's in year three or four, I can't remember, um, each kid gets an instrument, whether it's like a guitar or a keyboard or, um, I don't know, you know, not a violin, nothing that fancy, but, you know, something that they can... Um, schlep back and forth to school and and they get a music lesson with it, you know and I think that's fantastic and I think it's so important as as is the art you know it's like those kinds of things are incredibly important you know to give it context so that they understand where those sounds originated from in the first place you know rather than just out of a box or out of a computer so yeah I would agree with that I also but I think there's room for both you know i do think there's room for 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 both but i i think there's so many elements um and so many reasons why i mean obviously the relevancy affects things you know i i think that everything is so geared towards pop music and hip-hop that Mm. um rock and roll doesn't really get a chance to showcase their newer artists and showcase their the newer bands and i think you know people mistake popularity for what's the best right I mean people I have this discussion all the time with people well this album sold more so it's the best well Britney Spears sells a lot of records that doesn't mean she's the best performer you know it it just it it yeah yeah I mean I mean I just think that that um people have to start stop equating sales as for for greatness okay I mean and I think that's where that needs to stop. And I think, you know, let let kids, let, let the youth, I think with the pandemic, and I've said this like a broken record so many times on, on this show, that kids sitting around doing nothing, doing the same thing is causing a lot of angst and aggravation. And I think being you know, listening to the same things, whether it's hip hop or, or pop music, I think they're craving something new. And I think they're mm. craving something that is different. And I think rock music is right there. A lot of people say that, you know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't release any music or any new music during these times is not going to be heard. I disagree. I think now well, is the I time for them to listen. Too. You know, Yeah, it's exploding. I mean, there's so much new music coming out all the time. 
And um, because of technology, I mean, can you imagine going through this without the internet? I can't. I can't oh, even. Oh. Yeah. God. But, um, you know, because of that, you know, bands have been able to do live streams and, um, and release recordings and stuff like that and get stuff on Spotify or whatever music platform. So um, there's a lot of new stuff coming out, and I, I think that's great. But one thing I would say, and I think this is um, a generational thing for sure, um, kids today are, they, they expect everything at their fingertips because they're used to having it. You know, you've got Google and all that kind of stuff. And um, was it? somebody was saying that, oh, I, they didn't know how to find rock music. They didn't know how to find, they were expecting Spotify to just do the algorithm for them. And I thought, well, you know, get off your ass. <laughs> you know, do a little research. You know, that's how you find things. But, you know, they, they're used to having it just kind of there being fed to them on a constant basis. And what's being fed to them is, you know, pop music, like, like um, Miley Cyrus and Taylor Swift and, you know, nothing against them. They can both sing, you know, but it's just, there's not a lot of depth there, you know, no. in terms of, yeah, it's not, I would not call that rock by any stretch of the imagination. And no matter how many outfits um, Miley Cyrus puts on, you know, she's just playing dress up as far as I'm concerned. But, um, yeah, you know, that's and, a great point. And making a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, that's a great point. I mean, what is being fed to the masses now is pop music, is hip hop. And unfortunately, yeah, rock is everywhere. nowhere to be found. You know, rock is really. Yeah. But I think that's changing. You know, um, I think that's that is slowly turning because I do think there's a lot more excitement about what's happening in rock music with new music that's coming out than ever before. Um. You know whether whether it's whether it's you know Wolfgang Van Halen's album that a lot of people are very excited about whether it's the new Greta Van Fleet whether it's you know New Dirty Honey or other bands that have music coming out I really think that people are getting excited and people are gaining traction I mean I I talked to my son uh, I had a conversation with him last week and he says you know what Dad he's like a lot of kids are starting to listen to rock music at my school and he's a sophomore in high school. And I, oh, that's great. Yeah, and I said, I told, I told him, I said, you know, remember in junior high when I told you that, you know, sooner or later kids are going to want something different and they're going to want something that speaks to them. And, you know, I, I think rock music speaks to the youth more, especially, you know, for those kids that are that are in, you know, in different areas. I think rock speaks to them more than maybe pop music does. I do like, well, that's where I go back to, um, Ollie Sykes, you know, because, um, I think he really connects with people that, you know, feel like depressed or whatever, you know, a, a lot of their songs have dealt with that kind of stuff and 21 pilots did as well. Um, so I think, you know, people that, that are searching for that kind of stuff, you know, are going to find it and people that aren't are just going to listen to Miley Cyrus, you know, it's, it's, um, like I said, it's an attitude and, and it's, um, whatever you're going through in your life, you're going to connect with things that connect with that. If that makes sense. Do you think in the UK there's more of an appetite for more or for new rock music? I, I don't know. It seems, well, 
it seems like there is to me, but um, that's because I'm so immersed in it. So I, it's hard to be objective, you know, but just like in talking to my granddaughter, you know, she's like bang into it. And, um, you know, her friends seem to like the same kind of stuff. So that's kind of cool. She just would, you know, sooner like cut her hair off than listen to, you know, pop music. She just doesn't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I so think, yeah, I think too with pop music, that satisfies the music consumer, right? That satisfies the person that jumps from artist to artist, from song to song, with really no loyalty to the artist. That's the other thing you were talking about on that podcast that I thought was so valid. The whole thing of how, like, when you're, you know, become a fan of a band, you just like become a fan, you know, and it's like, you want to, you, you just connect with it. It becomes a part of the fabric of your life. And, um, you know, sort of music, that kind of stuff doesn't engender that necessarily. So, yeah. So if we're talking about celebrating rock music, basically what we're talking about is rock music is an experience. Rock music is a fabric, a, it gets ingrained into your soul. It becomes part Ooh. of you. It becomes your life. I mean, I, I think about the first time I heard rock music when I was seven years old to now being 46. And I think of just the journey through my life and how rock music has always been there. Sometimes it exactly. was, he- sometimes it was heavier. Sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes it was, you know, more perspective. Sometimes it was about the good times. But I think what needs to be celebrated is the experience of what rock music can and how it changes your life and it becomes a tool of your existence. It becomes part of your existence. Whereas I think rap, hip hop, pop music really kind of becomes background to your existence. It's Exactly. Exactly. It's what you hear when you're walking down the mall, you know? Yeah. not something that you're sitting in your bedroom listening to going ah, 21 pilots really gets it, you know, blurry face, <laughs> that whole thing. I mean, people, you know, a lot of people diss them, but I have a lot of time for that band. I think, you know, I think they connected on a really, um, a really intimate level with a lot of their fans and good for them. You know, same with bring me the horizon. I mean, they just, you know, they have, they've, they write songs about what they've experienced and those feelings are real. And, you know, people that have been through similar experiences, they connect very deeply with that stuff. I do believe that. I also think too, whenever you look back at a rock band and, or an artist, you can see them grow, right? You can see them starting in the clubs. You can see them, you know, performing in, in smaller venues to small theaters to bigger venues, big theaters, arenas, stadiums. There's that there's that growth. And some people never reach the top, which is, you know, playing football stadiums and, and you yeah. know, in front of 80,000 people or whatever. And some people, you know, some bands never make it past the, the theater. But what is the difference is, is you you never see a pop artist starting out in a small club. You never really see everything is manufactured. Everything is or whatever. Yeah. You know, like now 
listen, I, I think a lot of the kids that are on The Voice and you know American Idol, I think they're incredibly talented. I really do. But there's a reason why very few of them go on to big success, right? There's a there's a there's not a lot of them. There's probably maybe a handful out of all the people that have been on those shows that have actually yeah. done something and, and created a name for themselves. And I just I think it's almost like a, a, a um, thing to avoid, really. Well, right, but it also gives the impression too that people think now that you can go on a show and sing and get a record deal or you know, get a deal to go performed and now you've made it where the real essence of rock and roll is the hard work. It's in the bedroom playing the instrument. It's in the garage, you know, learning songs with your band, doing all yeah. that stuff. And I just yeah. think it gives this false sense of how you make it and how you work towards it where every rock band that you see, I would say 95% of them, every 95% of every rock band you see has sweated and you know been rejected and I mean yeah. and not just they once three people yeah, yeah exactly. not, not just like yeah not by a judge of or a panel of three judges I mean you know I was talking to Mark LaBelle from Dirty Honey and he was saying that he slept in a car there's many stories oh, yeah. like that I mean all these bands you know used to share you know, a, a one studio, one bedroom or a studio apartment and, you know, live amongst the cockroaches and rats and stuff like that because they couldn't afford anything. But they had that dream and they were working for it and they and they perfected their craft where I just, you know, I see someone like, I know we, you know, Miley Cyrus or Britney Spears, you know, they were on a, you know, they were a Mouseketeer or they were on you know, Hannah Montana and they could yeah. sing, and then all of a sudden they were pop artists, right? And all of a sudden they were popular. There was no, there was no. I, listen, I, 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 did they work on their craft? I'm sure they did, but it's well, just, see, it's this different. Is the thing too. This is the thing about Youngblood that I'm skeptical about because he's the same. He was on, I can't remember what the show was on. He was some boy actor on some show, and I think his dad is some um, owns owns one of the big. Um, music shops here in London or did, I don't know. Anyway, quite connected, put it that way. Um, and I'm not saying he's not talented because I think he is talented, but you know, there's also a lot going on behind the scenes there, you know? Absolutely. There's a lot more people connected to the industry and you know, a lot of it's based on look and image. And you know, if you already have a brand like Hannah Montana, or you've been on the Mouseketeers or whatever, your people are already familiar with you. You already have an audience. Whereas yeah. you know, the band that's playing at the local club that's playing in front of twenty-five people doesn't have that. Doesn't have the benefit of it. They may sound kick-ass. They may be the best thing since Led Zeppelin. But if they're only having 28 people, no one's going to want to know about them or no one's going to talk about them. And that's where the mistake lies. That's where the problem is, is that there's all these good bands that should be celebrated, right? That should be, that, that should speak to the young people about the experience of live rock music and what rock music means to people and the words and the lyrics and learning the instruments and all that stuff. It's just, it's just not. I, I just think because now there's this false sense of how you get a record deal. Well, it's just like, I mean, this whole generation is 
and it's certainly not their fault. I mean, these kids were born with cell phones in their hands, you know, and um, this is the generation of influencers, you know, and YouTube stars and all that, and people that are just making money by putting makeup on. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, come on. Yeah, yeah the influencers <laughs> so are you just, see yeah. that, And they just think, well, hey, I want to do that because it looks easy and fun and people are going to adore me and I'm going to get a lot of attention and money and da 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 you know, and it's a it's a false it's a false uh, promise, really. But um, yeah, you have to learn the hard way, I guess. I don't know, but but that's you know that's the times we live in. You know, I mean, it's just it's so different from even when my kids were young. You know, when my kids were young, they still had you know it was in the era of CDs, you know, <laughs> and that was like you know breakthrough technology. So. Um, but now, you know, it's just like, I mean, gosh, my, I've got four grandkids and, um, my son's got two young ones. One's about a year and a half and the other one's almost four. And, and they both like the year and a half year old, you know, can do the iPad. I'm just like, God, this is just like wrong, you know, but, but it's, that's the world we live in. Yeah, I, I I totally understand that, and I totally get it. I just think that, um, you know, when you're when you're when you're surrounded by and getting pulled in different direction, like you know, when you're on the phone, and a lot of people get their information from the phone, you know, a mm. lot of, a lot of things pop up that are paid for to pop up on your social media feed, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of rock bands and artists don't have that financial backing to get in front of young people whereas a pop yeah. artist has that you know not everybody can have their um album launch on the side of times square like architects and good for them and it's a great album you know and i love that band i think they're brilliant um that's one of the shouty bands that i really like but um because they can sing <laughs> and they sing about relevant stuff but um but, you know, they've got huge backing right now, you know, they're, you know, huge, but yeah, most bands, like I think of, I mean, just off the top of my head, you know, there's a band here called Black Lakes that I just think is amazing. I think they're so good. And Ash and Reach, two bands right off the bat that, you know, they haven't been around that long, but they don't have, you know, huge backing. They can't just, they can't just, um, appear, you know, they have to fight for everything they get. And, and they do, you know, they've got attitude and they've got commitment and, and they're just really good. So yeah, it's a, it's a different world when you have to do it on your own. And then that's another thing to me, it's all fine and nice to say, gee, I want to get a record deal or whatever, but I almost feel like be careful what you wish for, you know, maybe being independent for a good long while is a safer bet. And, um, more sensible because, you know, if you get a record deal, I mean, I can't remember exactly how it works out. You probably know better than I do, but it's, you know, basically if they give you an advance, you got to pay that back out of your royalties and stuff. Right. 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 So it's not, it's not like you're suddenly rich and making all this money <laughs> and, and people don't always understand that. So I don't know. Independence to me, I think is a good, a good thing. And, and, um, it's, I mean, yeah, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? 
Well, I think so too. I, I don't think you need a major record label to be successful. I mean, I, I mean, I look at Rival Sons. Rival Sons just came out with their own record label and they were on Atlantic with their last one and they were independent for so long. They went on Atlantic, they released Feral Roots and now they're back doing their own thing. And, and one has to wonder, like, if I'm in a band and I'm doing all the work, writing all the music and all the stuff and the record company sure is giving me an advance but then I go on tour and I tour like crazy and I and I just never home and I'm on the road and I'm in, and at the end of the day I owe the record company money or I break even why yeah. have a record why have a record deal you know yeah, like, like why point? do that like what's the point I mean unless you're unless you're going to be on you know the Billboard 100 and may have the number 1 album in the country and and not just for one week, but for several weeks where you're making all this money. But now record labels, they want a 360 deal. They want a piece of everything now. And yeah. Yeah. I just don't see the point in doing it. And I think you have a better chance of of doing it on your own than you do, you know, having someone maybe give you money up front, but like you said, have to pay that back. And, you know, who cares if you're not getting nominated for a Grammy and who cares if you're not on this show or your song's not here? You know, if people are starting to connect with you and people are starting to, you know, be aware of you, then what's the point of having that big record contract? Yeah. Well, I think that when you were saying what, what could differentiate or what, what is a good focus for a band? I think to me, um, to be, to be um, seriously independent in the first instance and, and to really understand how the music industry works. You know, I think a lot of people don't and, you know, they just um, go into it a bit naively. Um, so it's, it's important to educate yourself on that and to build up your own, your own following by connecting with people that are going to connect with what you're doing. And part of that is being on social media, but, but be clever about it, you know, engage with people and, um, and be yourself, you know, don't just be sort of manufactured. I think that's really important. Yeah. Bands really need to have a system. They really do because, you know, connecting on social media, doing live streams, you know, sending stuff out to their fans, mailing lists, subscriptions, to different social media platforms, recording the music, writing the music, it's tough. I mean, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot more it's work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work. Yeah, it is. I mean, you think back of the 70s and 80s when bands used to make up flyers and go staple them to telephone poles and all yeah. that stuff. And, and you know, your your flyers would be flying in the street, you know, under cars and, on, you know, you know <laughs> wherever. Um, you know, that's what it is today. But I think that it's it's so great that we can hear music that maybe we not we would have not normally heard you know whether it's bands in the UK whether it's bands you know I'm in Chicago or you know whether whether it's a band that's in you know Atlanta Georgia that has the ability to put their music out where you can hear it now yeah like crashing wayward you had them right you yeah, put them yeah. on your screen I, I just fell in love with that song in fact I'm playing them next week I just, um, I just thought that's, and I thought, oh gosh, I can't wait to hear what they're going to do next, you know, because they only have that one track out, don't they? Yeah, um, I think so at this time, yeah. Sorry? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think they just have that one song out at this time. 
Yeah, them and Bootleg Mercy, that's another one, you know, and I just went, oh, man, you know, and I never would have come across them if you hadn't put them on your thing. So, and that's how, that's how it works. Like, also, 12 Years Today, so um, that's a Canadian band, and I can't remember how I came across them, but I think it was on Twitter, and um, so we sort of struck up a, um, a relationship, you know, like, you know, back, you know, DMing back and forth and this and that because I was the first um, station to play their track and they were really excited about that. So that was really cool. And um, long story short, I wanted to have a new riff for the beginning of the show because the riff that we had was just something that was, you know, put on there that we didn't really have anything when we started the show, but it didn't really represent, you know, the kind of music I play. And I wanted something that was real. So I asked them, could, could I take a piece of <laughs> a piece of your music and, use it as the intro to the show. Um, and they said, yes. Yeah. So I was totally thrilled about that. So last night was the first time that aired, which was great, but it was, it's, that's how it connects. So I've connected with them and then, um, I found other bands through them. They found other people through me and then it's like, and so on and so on and so on. And it's building those relationships. Um, not that you want to spend your whole life on social media, but just use it wisely, you know, instead of just saying, listen to my track, listen to my track, listen to my track, then engage and interact with people. And that's how people start to um, sit up and take notice, you know, and I found so many great bands that way. I don't, I don't rely on Spotify to find my music. I mean, I use it as a resource, but you know, I finding people on social media through um, different people that I follow, you know, which has been, I've found so many great music that way. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I, I do too. You know, I mean, there's so many people that post a lot of great stuff and, you know, social media is, is wonderful, you know, in that aspect. Um, I just think that, I just hope that, you know, as we're sharing music, that, the younger generation is listening and I think they are starting to, and I think they are starting to get it with what rock and roll is all about. And I think there's no right or wrong answer. We've covered a lot in our conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think all of that is true. All, everything we've talked about is a reason why is a reason why it has struggled, but I think better days are upon us. And I think, you know, what is on the horizon is great things because I do think whatever is great, in terms of music, people will find it and people will connect with it. And I think that's happening. Yes. I think there's a lot of great new music coming out. Well, don't you think, I mean, I'm not on TikTok because I just, I, I, I only have time for Twitter and a little bit of Instagram. I just don't have, you know, there's not enough hours in the day for me. So um, I limit myself there and I'm not on Facebook at all. I just can't deal with Facebook. But TikTok is huge. And um, I know my granddaughter's on it all the time. So I think that's where people are finding a lot of stuff. So, and I think that's where um, rock is going to come across because it's one of those short, sharp things that, you know, comes at you. And that's, I think that could be one of those waves that makes it start to happen. Yeah. I think every social media platform can be utilized if, if done properly, mm -hmm. whether it's TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the big key, mm -hmm. the big key is, will it be able to hold the attention of young people? Because, you know, one of the things that we know about young people is the attention span is very short, right? So yeah. they may like something and by two or three days later, they're on to something else. So, 
you know, that's the big question is, you know, yeah, can social media, you know, create an interest? Absolutely it can. Can it hold the attention? That's still, that, 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 that story is yet to be told yet, you know, so. But I think, I think it's a matter of if it strikes a chord um, deep in your soul, so to speak, um, and even though people have a short attention span, I think, you know, that, that still happens. So that's, that's when the magic happens. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. You know, anything that connects with you can certainly do that. Will, yeah. will the short attention span, you know, fight that, that connection, you know, you, it's almost like for me, the way I look at it is it's very difficult for both things to happen. It's difficult for you know, someone to hold their attention long enough to like something and keep liking something to find that connection. It's either going yeah, to... We don't, we, you know, yeah, so we don't have sleeve notes anymore or anything like that, you know? Right, right. So someone finds something or hears something they like. Wow, this is really cool. This is... I really dig it. And then two, three days later, they've completely forgotten about it. You know, they've, mm. they've completely moved on to something else. And, you know, that's that's the big fear. That's the big question is can that person change or can the the attention span change long enough for them to develop a connection because music whether it's pop music or rock music is watered down so much that is is it is becoming background music so it loses its value and you know when you're yeah. when you're in a store you hear music when you're at the coffee shop you hear music when you're on social media you hear music so yeah, you know, if I'm in, if I'm in a, a, a uh, if I'm shopping at a, at a store and I hear, you know, the radio on and I hear something that I like, oh, that sounds good, you know, but it's in the background. It's like I'm not really paying attention to it, but I know it's there. So it loses its yeah. value. So when someone sees something on social media, you know, whether it's, you know, me posting a yay or nay and people liking it or whatever, you know, are they going to invest time to really get to know the artist and the song or are they just going to oh, yeah, this is a good song, buy it, listen to it for a couple of days, and that's it. Is that, is that, you know, is that audience going to be found by social media? I don't know. That's, that's the big thing. Like, you can have a lot of subscribes and a lot of followers and a lot of this and a lot of that, but is that going to translate into, you know, going to see them live? You know, you can go buy a song yeah. on Spotify and Apple as a result of hearing something on social media that's not really helping the bands though. Right. That's, I mean, that's like helping the record company. It's helping the record company. <laughs> what needs to happen is people need to go and buy the shirt and buy the, 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 the ticket to the theater to go see him or the club to go see him. And that is still yet to be answered. So we don't know that yet. Yeah. And, and now it's, it's, a, you know, trying to get people to pay money for live streams and stuff, you know, yeah. Which is difficult because, because especially this generation are so used to having everything for free on YouTube. Why would they want to pay a tenor to watch a live stream? Yep. You know, they're just like, why would I do that? And yeah. they don't, they don't, they, there's a big disconnect between, um, understanding what that's all about music, you know, and appreciating it and valuing it and being a consumer, you know, which I know you talked about a lot in that podcast. And I thought that was, you know, you made so many good points. Well, I was cooking dinner listening to it going, yes, yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I just think that the way music is now with quick sound bites and streaming services and background music, wherever we go, 
it's been so watered down to not have that appreciation like we had when we were younger. It's it's yeah. it's an up it's an uphill battle, and you know it's it's there's still a lot of questions out there. I think social media, whether like I said, whether it's TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, you know, to to use that platform to post music, I think that's wonderful. But will that transfer into because we're re- we're breeding music consumer consumers right now. Everyone because everything is in the background. Everyone thinks of music as the background. It's not at the forefront anymore. Um, and not even pop music or hip hop, right? I mean, I mean, you can say that you know this artist played at the Super Bowl and that artist is in this commercial. But again, those are all commercial events that are that are are big events. But when it comes down to ticket sales and going to see someone live. You know, is it the same as it was 20, 30, 40 years ago? I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. It's not. Well, in the mainstream, it's not. That's for sure. I mean, I think in the in the 70s and 80s, especially, you know, rock was like where it was at, really. I mean, it was just everywhere. Um, now, you know, now it's, it's still, it's more of a, um, not underground, that's the wrong word, but it's, it's definitely alternative, you know? It's not a mainstream thing anymore, and maybe that's not a bad thing. I don't know. I don't know if it's ever if ever was mainstream, mainstream though. You know, I mean, it may have had some acceptance with the mainstream, but I don't know. I mean, you know, you could talk about the Beatles and the Stones. You know, were mainstream, but that was a way different time back then. But you know, it really even, was even in the eighties and nineties. You know, when you had the glam rock and you had grunge, I don't know if looking back. When you consider, you know, there was Madonna and there was this pop artist and that pop artist, it was never really mainstream. It may have been more popular with the young, with the younger audience, but I never saw Motley Crue perform at the Grammys. I never saw Van Halen win a Grammy Award or play at the Super Bowl or anything like that. So I don't know if it was mainstream. I think we have a different perception as we get older. I think I think the only difference was, I, I think, younger people gravitated towards it more back in those decades than they do now. Yes. That, I think that's precisely the point. And, and I think the reason is because now it is, we're so saturated with, like you say, music everywhere all the time. And the idea of, of being a music consumer instead of a fan, you know, it's, there are two different things, aren't they? They are. They are. And I guess, no better time to end on that note than that. But we could go on forever. And I definitely want to have you back, Kaz, because this was a great discussion. And I like, you know, having a little bit of, you know, push and pull on the discussion. And 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 uh, I always like stuff like this. Oh, good. Well, I enjoyed it, definitely. It's always fun to do these kinds of things. And I really appreciate the opportunity because I'm only just a little tiny show. So am I. You know, yeah. I, I am a I am a tiny slice of a tiny slice in the grand scheme yeah, of things. Exactly. And I love talking rock music. And I love hearing from others and other people's perception. And I just think it's a great community. The rock community is is unlike any other. And uh, I just hope that there's a generation after us to like it as equally as we do. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I'm an optimist, so I have faith. So am I. So am I. <laughs> I, I am an optimist. I'm also a realist, but I'm also an optimist too. So. 
Well, Kaz, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for doing this. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Have a good weekend. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a better day than, than yesterday, right? And each day is better than the one yeah. before. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Please That's Kaz care. from the Heavy Rock Show. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk again soon. Thank you. Time to roll out the red carpet for, well, new carpet. Right now at the Home Depot. Choose from hundreds of styles and colors from top brands. Plus, get free installation. So whether you want to brighten up your bedroom, add a little more cushion to your living room, or, yes, add some VIP flair to your hallway, you can get the perfect carpet to match your mood with free installation. From the Home Depot, how doers get more done. Minimum purchase of $4.99. Exclusions apply. U.S. only. See store for details.